I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host for today. In the studio with me today is the Park Superintendent from First State Heritage Park, Sarah Zimmerman. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Paul. Nice to be here today. So glad to have you here with us today. The parks are one of the Division of the Arts partners in our programming throughout the year, and I understand First State Heritage Park is kind of a... uh, a uh, collaboration between Division of Parks and Recreation and the Historical and Cultural Affairs. Division of Historical and Cultural Affairs, or am I not correct there? You are correct. We're okay. actually considered a park without boundaries, ah, if, okay. if it were. We're in, right in the heart of the city of Dover, and we connect the historical and cultural sites within the city. So not only do we partner with Historic and Cultural Affairs, they're museums of the Old State House Museum, the Johnson Victrola Museum, and they also run the First State Heritage Park Welcome Center and Galleries. But we also have the Biggs Museum of American Art as well as the Delaware Public Archives that all uh, work together in harmony in the city of Dover to provide a good experience for our visitors. Now, how far back does this uh, venture go? First State Heritage Park. It's a relatively new venture. About 10 years ago, the planning process started, and then we've just kept building from there. So um, officially, I think... About eight years ago, programming started. And how are the various partners, for lack of a better word, identified to be part of this uh, collaboration? We have a lot of different ways to identify. Sometimes for visitors, it's not as important for them. Uh, They don't really care. But we have program guides in our website and other things delineating all of the different partners uh, that are part of it. And, And what is your role as park superintendent? My role as park superintendent is to make sure that uh, everything runs smoothly. So whether that be setting up events, uh, putting together programs, or just going to a lot of meetings as far as making sure everybody's on the same page, which is the important thing. Communication is really the important part. So you listed a collection of sites that are part of this park without boundaries. But in addition to the park, the, the sites themselves, there's also programming involved. Exactly. Is that correct? Yeah. We And beyond the direct partners, we also have some peripheral partners like all of the historic churches in downtown Dover. So we do on Friday nights in the spring, summer, and fall, we do lantern tours uh, where sometimes his characters come out and uh, come to life and tell you their own stories. And every first Saturday of the month, we do what's called First Saturdays in the First State, where all of our sites, usually we try to pick a theme and go with it. So whether it be agriculture, transportation, um, sometimes it's a little bit more modern, sometimes it's prohibition. And every site that we have, whether that be Woodburn, the governor's mansion, uh, the Kent County Courthouse, we try to do programming that is related to that so that people can come and get one big experience and and have a, a great day. And I understand you have coming up on Saturday, November 1st, uh, an annual event. Yes, we have our fifth annual 18th Century Market Fair. And basically, we are going to turn the green back into the 18th century. So we take the historic square and we bring in all kinds of artisans and tradespeople and tents and all sorts of things to create recreate the atmosphere of the autumn market fairs. And in the 18th century, those were very popular events. Uh, For a little while, uh, they were so popular they got banned because people weren't doing any work. They were going to the market (laughs) fairs. Uh, Our market fair, since it's only one day, it hasn't hasn't been banned yet. But we're going to have sights and sounds, animals. We'll have handcrafted items for people to purchase. We'll have craft demonstrations for people to watch. There'll be tasty treats. Uh, There'll be all kinds of hands-on activities for the kids. There'll be all sorts of things for people to do. Now, what kinds of crafts will be represented, and where do the artisans come from? The 
artisans come from all over the place. We have local artisans. Um, for example, our blacksmith is from Felton, uh, and he's been doing it since 1988. He just travels around and demonstrates the craft of taking your hands and molding metal. Um, and then we have new this year is a glassmaker, and he's coming to us from Colonial Williamsburg. And so he's going to set up shop in the John Bell house and have all of his wares for sale. And he started out as a tradesperson. Uh, he was an apprentice. And uh, it's a family affair because now he's taught his daughter his craft as well so that she can take over the business from him. So we have quite a range and variety. I think the farthest is from Ohio. And the closest is from Dover. Mm-hmm. We have all kinds of people. There'll be um, handcrafts like um, knitting, spinning, embroidery. There will be uh, some people who will tell you how to take care of a, a cough. If you in the 18th century seem to have developed any sort of cold, which is very appropriate in this time, there'll be silhouette makers, there'll be painters, uh, there'll be all different site uh, woodworkers. There will be I'm almost afraid to name them all since mm-hmm. I might forget somebody. Sure. But the, the demonstrations that are done, the, these are demonstrations in the style of, of the period. Of yes, the these century. are done without electricity. Uh, the only thing we're going to use electricity for is to heat up the hot cider. Mm-hmm. And so uh, hopefully that'll we'll have great weather, so that'll be just perfect. But people can go and watch, which is something that many people have no ex- personal experience with, seeing somebody use their hands to make a craft, especially children. And so this is a great event to allow families to experience it together. Uh, a lot of parents and kids can can see it and then talk about it or see it and then try it themselves. We have quite a few hands-on activities where the kids can then, um, with their parents' help, try to make a slate button or something like that where they wouldn't otherwise be able to try that. Now, is there a cost for admission? It is absolutely free. Uh, The event itself is from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on the green, and the only thing you might want to bring money for is in case you want to buy one of the vendor's demonstration wares or some food. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Century Club is having uh, what's called the Market Fair Inn, so they'll have all kinds of pulled pork, hot dogs, sandwiches, drinks, fall treats, and so it'll be an all-day event, so bring a little bit of money for lunch. So this is located primarily on the green. Are any of the venues that are part of the First State Heritage Park open? Yes. Uh, the Old State House, for example, is going to be open for tours all day. Which is right there on the which green. Which is right there on the green, mm-hmm. as well as the glassmaker is going to be located in the John Bell House. Uh, and the English country dancers um, might be dancing in the Old State House as well. Mm-hmm. So everything uh, that takes place, it's mostly going to be outside on the green, uh, but the Century Club, the Bell House, and... Uh, the Golden Fleece Tavern, which is now known as the Park Green Galleries, uh, will be open as well. And that's right on the one corner of it's the It's on green. the corner of yeah. State and the Green. Mm-hmm. And inside the Golden Fleece Tavern, well, the site of the Golden Fleece Tavern, uh, Elizabeth Patel is going to be uh, taking up residence once again. Hmm. And so she's going to be there telling you all about her experiences running the tavern in the 18th century, uh, maybe telling you a little bit about the prestigious delegates that visited her while she was running the tavern. Uh, in the 18th century and and uh, telling you a little bit about what life was like in the 18th century for her. I was going to say that tavern was a pretty important uh, meeting place for early Delaware legislators, correct? Yes. Believe it or not, the old state house wasn't around when Delaware ratified the Constitution in 1787. And so the delegates met right there at the Golden Fleece Tavern. And so Elizabeth Patel was host to all 30 delegates. And they decided to ratify fully, freely, and entirely the Constitution, which is what made Delaware the first state. 
And so people will be able to visit the site where Delaware can claim the first state happened. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with the, the craft fair, is that the correct term? Craft fair? Market fair. Market fair, sorry, market fair. Um, you mentioned the English country dancers. Any other kinds of performances or yes, uh, there are quite uh, shows a few. <laughs> type things? There are quite a few things. One thing I'm very excited about this year is our market fair minstrels. Uh, we have two very talented fiddlers who are coming And they're going to, for the most part, stay on their own side of the green. But every once in a while, they might meet one another and have a small um, showdown between the two of them. Uh, But in addition to that, there are two major entertainers that we're having at scheduled times. One is Signora Bella. And Signora Bella is known as the Italian equilibrist. And most people are familiar with tightrope walkers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Signora Bella is a slack rope walker which means she sets up a loose rope and balances on it. But she doesn't just balance on it. She also juggles. And in addition to juggling pins and other things like that, uh, she also juggles flaming torches. So her her show is quite entertaining. Kids and adults alike really enjoy Senora Bella. So where are your flame retardant overcoats? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fortunately, our audience is far enough away that they're not in any danger. Uh, she has the grass in space, and we do have a fire fire approval. But she is one of those entertainers that's really engaging. Every once in a while, she'll pull someone out of the audience, and they'll be her lovely assistants, uh, or not so lovely assistants if they prefer. Uh, but she can really get the crowd going. Everyone, She has them cheering. And even if it doesn't work out so well, she can she can usually turn it around and make it quite a performance. So many of your artisans will be there from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, and you exactly. can see them at any time, and there are other scheduled performances. Is there a, a website or somewhere listeners can go to to get information about the actual schedule for the day? Yes, everything Market Fair related is located at www.destateparks.com backslash Market Fair. And there they can find the schedule of events. They can download our event program, which is going to be coming out in the newspaper. Uh, We have also pictures. We have um, lots of posts on Facebook about different special things that are happening. And one thing that we have this year that is uh, relatively new is we are going to have a First State Heritage Park photo contest. And so amateur and professional photographers alike can come out and just capture Market Fair. And they can enter our contest. The information's all on the website. And if they are chosen to win, we have a couple different categories. They will win a Delaware State Parks annual pass. And perhaps their picture will be featured in next year's promotion as well for Market Fair. I want to come back to the website again and ask the question, is Market Fair spelled with oh. the, in the old way or the you know, it is with spelled the, the in the e modern the end, way. In the modern way. Yeah, okay. so it's M-A-R-K-E-T-F-A-I-R, Market Fair. And that's D-E-State-Parks.com. Dot com yes. backslash Market Fair. Correct. Without an E at the end of fair. <laughs> yes, M-A-F-A-I-R. Great. Uh, much to pursue about the First State Heritage Park, but first let me remind our listeners, you are tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM. And 1410 WDOV, our guest in the studio today is Sarah Zimmerman, the park superintendent for First State Heritage Park in Dover. Uh, Sarah, many different venues as part of this park without boundaries, as you describe it. Uh, I want to take a look at a couple of the specific venues to ask you uh, to explain to our listeners a little bit about what that venue is and sort of how it fits into the, the, the overall mission of the First State Heritage Park. Uh, Delaware Public Archives. 
The Delaware Public Archives is the repository for all of the records that take place in the state. So if you went to high school or any school here in Delaware, eventually your records are going to end up there. And as our partner, they're a great resource for us for research. Anytime we do a program, they're one of the first places we stop. But it's not just for us. It's also for the public. They have uh, behind-the-scenes tours at the Delaware Public Archives. So you can go in uh, into the vaults and find see all the boxes and boxes of um, documents that they have there. And if you're lucky, they'll even pull out maybe the charter document for Delaware or um, a copy of our ratification document or something like that for you to see uh, that is being preserved and held safely for future Delawareans. Mm-hmm. Am I right, too, that the Public Archive serves as the uh, visitor's center, sort of the, the starting place? Yes. The the Delaware Public Archives and the First State Heritage Park Welcome Center and Galleries share a building. So if you want to start here at the First State Heritage Park, there's a nice big parking lot for you. You can go in. They can give you information about everything that is happening, not only at the First State Heritage Park that day, but also we have information about all three counties in Delaware and um even more specific information about other places in Kent County, whether you want to visit the Air Mobility Command Museum or the the John Dickinson Plantation or anything like that, they can even give you directions. And it's free parking. (laughs) Yes, free parking, free all-day parking. You can stay there as long as you want. And uh, everything in the park is very walkable. Mm -hmm. Um, Compared to New York City or something like that, we are all within several blocks. And so even our farthest places... Uh, pretty walkable. Mm-hmm. Now, right across the street from the archives is Legislative Hall. What role does that play, and how, how does First State Heritage Park use Legislative Hall? Legislative Hall, as you know, is the home to our General Assembly, so that is its primary function. Uh, but as a something that our legislators really feel is valuable is to give tours to the people of Delaware and to tourists as well, so that people can really understand the building, how the building works, what the building is for, what, what happens in the building. And so we bring our visitors in. We can give them guided tours of both the House and the Senate chambers. We talk about not only the building, but also how the legislative process works here in Delaware. Um, It also, we can talk about the historic paintings that are in there. So we can touch on a lot of different things. And if they're lucky, uh, sometimes the governor's office will be open and they can get to see that as well. So our function there is primarily tours, uh, but we also do field trips and School kids, especially fourth graders, come and they get to see where laws are made for the state of Delaware. So that's a very valuable experience. Mm-hmm. And then down at the other end of the legislative mall. mall is the Biggs Museum of American Art. Yes. The Biggs Museum of American Art is one of the premier collections of decorative arts in that we have. And the Biggs Museum, also a place, great place for field trips. But it's one of the places you can go in. You can There's three floors. They're in the middle of... Uh, some renovations, and they have made it a really cool space. So they have their permanent collection, but they're also bringing in a lot of changing exhibits, local artists, some really big big exhibits of art as well. So you never know what you're going to find there at the Biggs Museum. Right. And with their fairly recent partnership with Delaware by Hand, they feature a number of, as you mentioned, local artists uh, and crafts uh, people with with their own uh, collections. And the Delaware by Hand, uh, they're having their holiday market as well, and it's going to be on... November 1st from 10 to 4. So it's a nice partnership that modern artisans uh, who are making all different kinds of art are going to be featured at the Biggs Museum. And then just a short walk up the sidewalk to the green is where our 18th century and our historic artisans are going to be. So not to jump into the holiday season too early, but it's a great opportunity for 
people visiting the market fair to both see the the, the 18th century craft work, but also contemporary art. It's never too early to start planning for the holidays. (laughs) I always plan too late. Now you mentioned the old state house uh, previously. A little more about that. It's it's it, the role that it has played in mm-hmm. Delaware's history. The old state house was first used in 1791 as our capital, so it was technically our third capital if you are counting. Uh, and it's a beautiful building that they have used as our state capital. It out got outgrown in about the 1930s, and that's when it moved to legislative hall in 1933. Uh, after that, it was used, still used. Um, but it wasn't our capital anymore, and it's gone a lot, undergone a lot of renovations, and it is now a beautiful museum that focuses on our history of our capital. And so the State House is a wonderful venue, uh, not only for like the English country dancers to be dancing in a setting that really fits uh, that time period, but it's also a source for modern entertainment as well. This winter, we're going to be featuring the Friends of Folk, and they're going to be doing concerts on the first Fridays in. December, January, and February at the Old State House. Oh, that's great. Now, I, I know in the past during the market fair, the John Bell House has been open, I believe, to serve refreshments in that. Will that be open again? Yes. This year at the John Bell House, instead of refreshments, we're going to have the glassmaker. He's going to set up oh, shop in there. That, right. And uh, But it will be open for people to see. It's open all the time. Uh, that's where we take our walking tours start on a regular basis. Uh, it'll be a little busy for walking tours at market fair, but if you want to stop by and visit anytime, uh, walking tours of the green happen there. And then we also teach school children when they come on field trips about what life was like in the 18th century. So how do you get water? How do you take a bath? How do you um, do things about electricity and that sort of thing? Now, the John Bell House is kind of a, a unique building on the green. How, uh, what, what sets it apart from the others? And who is John Bell? And you know, what, what's that whole connection? <laughs> well, the John Bell House is very unique on the green in that it's it's easy to give directions. It's the tiny little wooden building on the green. Uh, but believe it or not, it would have been a pretty common construction when the green was new. Um, from the 1730s or so, it's the oldest wooden structure on the green. And most other wooden buildings around the green have burned down. Um, that's a fate that befell the... the um, the Golden Fleece Tavern, the Fountain Hotel, a lot of buildings around the green burned down. And so that we have it is a is a very exciting that it's an example of what the average person would have been living in. Now, the John Bell House is so named because John Bell, uh, a merchant sailor from Philadelphia, moved down here and purchased the whole corner lot. And right next door to our building, he ran a tavern. Uh, the tavern was under the sign of the King George Later, that wasn't a great name, so it became the George Washington. Uh, And then it evolved into the Fountain Hotel as well. And so because he owned the whole property, the building that we have actually worked as his workshop as first. So it is named in honor of him. And it's one of the tricks we ask people, so who's John Bell? And they feel a little guilty for not knowing. Uh, But the reason we named it after him is because he is the average person. He's just a regular guy in Dover whose name may have survived, but... Everyone, I can guarantee you, in 18th century Dover was well familiar with John Bell, even though we aren't today. Now, you say his background originally was? A sailor. A sailor. What brought him to Dover? I'm not entirely sure. I think he was retiring from the life and looked to buy some property. Uh, He came down with his wife, uh, and he had a son, uh, John Bell II, and then John Bell II had a son named John Bell III. And so it went through three generations of the Bell family that Mm -hmm. really settled in this area and uh, made it their home. The other venue I want to uh, uh, jump to now, it really, I think, represents an interesting 
uh, aspect of the diversity of what you can see in the First State Heritage Park, and that's the Johnson Victrola Museum. Yeah, the Johnson Victrola Museum, sometimes people see it as a little bit of an outlier, but it really does help us span the centuries of Dover's history. Uh, It's dedicated to Eldridge Reeves Johnson, who didn't do very well in school and was told that he wouldn't make much of himself, but he perfected the phonograph. Thomas Edison invented it, but he was the one who really made it palatable and marketable to people to have in their homes. And so he founded the Victor Record Company, which is an incredible story about how you can actually thank him for a lot of the Beyonce's and uh, other artists that we Mm -hmm. have today, the divas, because he was the one who courted artists and convinced them to record their voice. Never before had they made records and they thought they would be selling themselves short because... Well, now everyone can hear me, and now it's not as special, but he really was the one who put forward that market mm-hmm. and made the artists popular beyond their wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. It's, I just heard a statistic uh, this last year. The uh, Michael Jackson earned $140 million, not from live performance, obviously, but from mm-hmm. recordings. Yeah. So here, here's a museum that really is dedicated to the importance of recording. Exactly. And believe it or not, he was from Dover, which is why we have that museum in there. So it also goes to show you maybe school's not your thing, but pursue your dreams and do your best. And even people from Dover can go on and be incredibly successful. Well, in about the 30 seconds left, uh, you want to put in a final plug for the upcoming market fair? Sure. Join us on November 1st from 10 to 4 p.m. on the Green in Dover for our First State Heritage Park 18th Century Market Fair. Uh, For more information, you can visit www.destateparks.com backslash market fair, and that's F-A-I-R, market fair. Great. Well, Sarah, it's been really a pleasure having you with us today, hearing about the uh, First State Heritage Park. Uh, Just an amazing assortment of, of venues and programming throughout the year that people can benefit from. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure.